0: Turn with me in your Bibles to First Peter, chapter 2, as we continue our studies in this chapter, which I hope you're finding, as I have found, to be very rich in lessons for us, as well as encouragements that we would press on in the way of life. First Peter, chapter 2, and I'm going to read again the first 10 verses. 1 Peter chapter two verse one. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile, and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. If you have tasted that the Lord is kind, just pause for a moment. Are you like a newborn babe tonight, longing for milk? I hope that is our case. We're longing. To hear, And we're saying, Lord, feed me with that pure milk of the word tonight. Going on then, verse 4. And coming to him as to a living stone rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him shall not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe. But for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, And to this doom they were also appointed. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For you were once not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have Received mercy. Let's pray and ask that God would help me as I seek to describe these blessings that are the possession of all of God's people. And let's pray that God would encourage our hearts with these descriptions of blessing, but also that God would cause to be jealous with a holy jealousy, all who are not yet in this condition, and that tonight would be the night. That they would be transferred from the kingdom of darkness, called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for these descriptions of the blessings that are conferred upon all your people, our blessed condition in Christ Jesus. And when we consider what we once were, not a people, not having any mercy, once in darkness, when we consider this great contrast of what we were and what we have now in Christ Jesus, we ask that you would encourage our hearts with whatever condition we may face in this world, even if we may be poor in earthly things, to consider the riches of your grace toward us and to be encouraged with these truths, which are not mere platitudes or cliches, but rock-solid truths of your holy word we ask that you would so work in the minds and hearts of those who do not yet know you, that they would see they are in darkness, and that the light would shine upon them. That even as we read in 2 Corinthians, that light shined in the darkness. And so you caused us to see the light of your glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Do that same work for those who are present with us tonight, who are still in darkness. We ask through Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Well, here in this passage, we've been considering for the past several uh, times of study, those blessings which are enumerated for us that belong to all those who are true Christians. And we saw three of these back in verse 5, that we are coming to him as living stones. And the first blessing there is that we're alive. We were once dead stones. And what good is a stone? It's dead. It just, maybe if it rolls, it rolls downhill. We were dead stones. And now we're living stones. And furthermore, we're built up as a spiritual house. We are God's temple. This building is you all. The living stones that make up this spiritual temple in which we are also the priests, the holy priests who offer up spiritual sacrifices, our worship, our songs, our prayers, our offerings, even our listening to God's word. We offer up spiritual sacrifices only acceptable through Christ Jesus. And then we considered further blessings in verse 9. There are five more blessings mentioned here. But you are a chosen race. And we considered what that meant last time. And you are a, a holy, excuse me, a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. Kings and priests. Kings who are priests. Priests who serve the king. The royal king. And then we further considered that third thing a holy nation. We're God's nation. And we saw that this is drawing from descriptions of God's Old Testament people and applying it to believers in Christ Jesus. Now we're going to consider two more blessings here in verse 9 and on into verse 10. And we're going to consider furthermore the purpose. Why has God given us such blessings? Why has He showered upon us such grace? Why has He... Put us in such a beautiful, blessed condition. Well, the purpose that we would proclaim his excellencies. And so we're going to consider then these two more blessings and then further the purpose for all of these blessings. First of all, then, what are we? What is our blessed condition? Verse 9, you are a people for God's own possession. Now, Uh, The King James Version here says, uh, a peculiar people unto God. Well, that may be true. Some of us are perhaps a little more peculiar than others. Uh, but, But that old English phrase, a peculiar people, meant a special people, a people set aside. A people for God's own possession. I want us to look back again at the Old Testament background of this statement so that we might understand the richness of what is stated about us. We are God's special people, a people for God's own possession. Look back at Exodus chapter 19 and verse 5, where God says this very thing to his people who had come out of Egypt and now are in the wilderness by Mount Sinai, waiting for the deliverance of the law to Moses there on the mountain, that they would actually hear, it would be proclaimed in their own ears by God himself. Exodus chapter 19 and verse 5. Let's go back to verse three and Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the sons of Israel, you have seen what I have done to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples for all the earth is mine. We read further, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. My own possession. My special people. And perhaps you could say in response to God at this point, aren't you the owner of all things? Don't you own the Moabites and the Ammonites and the Hibites and the Jebusites and the, all those other ites that are there? And of course, God says right here, I own everything. But of all these people, you're my special people. You're my special people. And so this is what God is saying to the Israelites of old, delivered from bondage in Egypt, following Moses through the wilderness. And now he says this very thing to his people under the new covenant who are delivered from bondage, even worse than bondage in Egypt. Delivered from bondage to sin. And being led not by Moses, but by a better mediator of a better covenant. Being led by Jesus through the wilderness of this world to the promised land. We are his special people. Oh yeah, I mean, God is king over all. But as you walk through this world... You rub shoulders with people around you. Not to puff us up and give us grand ideas about ourselves. It's something very humbling. God has set upon you his special love. You are my own possession. You're a people, a special people to me, God says. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6. So this is now the next generation. That first generation died in the wilderness. The next generation is now poised to enter the promised land. And this is what God says to them in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord has chosen you to be a people for his own possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, the Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the people's. For you are the fewest of all the peoples, But but because the Lord loved you and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers, the Lord brought you out by a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. You are a special people. I'm going to give you this land, I'm leading you to this land, but I want you to know amidst all the peoples of the world, you are my special people. A people from my possession. And then look at Malachi. So, going now to near the end of the Old Testament, in fact, just about the end, Malachi chapter 3. And here in Malachi chapter 3, next to the last chapter of the Old Testament, We read verses 16 through 18. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. And they will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my own possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. And guess which one his own possession is? The ones who honor his name, who are righteous, who serve him. And so what does he call them here? I will prepare my own possession. Now, the King James here is perhaps a bit quaint, but I, I rather like it. It says, on that day... When I make up my jewels. On that day, when I gather in my riches, my jewels, who are those jewels that he's talking about? It's you, it's God's special people, my own possession. And it's the same Hebrew word here that we saw back in Exodus and in Deuteronomy my treasure. And in fact, it's the same Hebrew word that we meet in Chronicles when the preparation was made for the construction of the temple. Look at 1 Chronicles chapter 29. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Same Hebrew word here. And I just want us to get a sense of the riches of God's special possession. It's not just something he owns, you know, like, I've got this old pickup truck. Uh, it's mine. But it's precious. This is extremely valuable. Look at what he says, what David says in First Chronicles chapter 29. Then King David, verse 1, said to the entire assembly, My son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is still young and inexperienced, and the work is great. For the temple is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now with all my ability, I provided for the house of my God, the gold for the things of gold, and the silver for the things of silver, and the bronze for the things of bronze, the iron for the things of iron, and wood for the things of wood, onyx stones and inlaid stones, stones of antimony, and stones of various colors, and all kinds of precious stones, and alabaster in abundance, and moreover, in my delight in the house of my God, The treasure I have of gold and silver I give to the house of my God, over and above all that I have already provided for the holy temple. And then he names 3,000 talents of gold, 7,000 talents of silver. This is billions, okay? It's a huge sum. And the same word is there in verse 3, the treasure. The special possession. The treasure I have. And this is the word that God uses to describe his people. And so, going back then to 1 Peter, where this is written in Greek, but the Greek word that Peter used is is used to translate this Hebrew word that we have here in these passages, not merely property, but special property, treasure. As the King James put it there in Malachi 3, jewels. And so, my point here is this: When God looks at His people, how does He view you? You're His special treasure. You're His jewels. You say, "I don't know." You know, I look in my heart; it's pretty black. It's it's pretty inky. It's uh, not a very pretty picture. God says, "You're my jewel. You're my special treasure." Now, that's not to puff us up and make us think that sin is no big deal. Of course, nothing of the sort. But it is to make us consider how God looks at his own people. We are his precious people. Yes, we saw before in a previous study from uh, Corinthians, from 2 Corinthians, or no, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where that five-ranked army of human nothingness. No, poor no not noble base ignorant <laughs> you know we're not so special but god looks at us and he says that's my treasure that's my treasure now how do we come to be special how do we get to be a treasure to god well because he purchased us with the price of the blood of his son look at a couple of verses here first corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 There's so much scripture that relates to these descriptions there in 1 Peter. Uh, if you read John Brown's commentary on 1 Peter, it's just chock full. In fact, almost all he does is just quote scripture after scripture to describe what this means. Well, we're not going to do all that John Brown did. We're not going to read all of those passages, but it, it's unavoidable that we have to flesh out these descriptions with the rest of the Bible, with at least some of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, and uh, Paul writes to the Corinthian Christians who had their problems, yes, but they were sanctified, as we saw this morning. He says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God. In your body. How did you get to be God's special treasure? Because he bought you. He bought you with a price. He bought you so you would be his own. So that your body is not your own. To join it to a harlot. Your body belongs to God. You're bought. You're God's special treasure and possession. Think of that. So the next time you're tempted to sin. Think of this. Wait a minute. Can I take God's special treasure and use it like that in that trashy way? What is the price? It doesn't tell us here, it just says you're bought with a price. The price is mentioned in 1 Peter chapter 1. If we had started our study back in chapter 1, we would have gotten there, but it says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed, that is, purchased out of slavery for God, not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. What makes you a special treasure? You are bought with a precious price the blood of the spotless lamb of god and so live like it what do we sing take my life and let it be always only all for thee take my moments and my days take my hands take my feet take my voice take me take my heart you're bought you're his you're a special treasure don't live for yourself live for him who loved you and gave himself up for you don't take his treasure and go back to the mud and filth of the world with it now let me just pause here and ask this question if you're not god's special treasure as it's described in these passages What are you? Maybe you say, well, I'm not God's possession. No, he doesn't own me. I'm my own man. Well, just a minute. You think you are. But what did Jesus say to the Jews who said that same very thing? They said, we've never been slaves to anybody. We're free. What did Jesus say to them? You're your father, the devil. He who commits sin is a slave of sin you're not free you're not your own you're the devil's doing his bidding oh no, no this is what i want to do and that's what he wants you to do you're of your father the devil i did not say demon possessed but the possession of the devil his people he said no 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 I'm a, I'm a good person i've heard this kind of thing yeah i'm a good you know uh, i'm a good person that total depravity stuff uh no 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 I, I don't buy that i'm a good person well oh yeah okay so how do you get on with your brothers and sisters well i haven't talked to him in 10 years oh well why is that well yeah you don't know my brother he's a rascal Oh, you you trace it out. How about you? You're a good person. Well, why do you do what you do? Sass your mom and dad? Why do you argue with your brother and sister? Why do you cheat on a test? Why do you? We could go on. It's not just kids. It's adults. Why do you take that home from the office? Why do you cheat on your income tax? Why do you lie? We could go on and on. You're of your father. You need to be set free from yourself and from the devil. And you need to be Christ's, to be God's own possession. Consider the consequence. We read that verse in Malachi where God said, On that day when I make up my jewels, that day when I gather in my special possession, they shall be mine and they'll be with me where I am. All right. You're your own. Where will you be? And and I ask the question, and it's not just rhetorical hot air up here. I ask a piercing question, a heart-searching question. Because as I, I look on faces, I'm talking to people. People who have a destiny, an eternity. Either Christ's special possession gathered up as his jewels or cast out with the devil and his angels to the lake of fire. We read in Revelation of that day, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is Bible it's not fairy tale the lake of fire let me just say that whatever else you do in this life you want to escape the lake of fire there's only one way to be god's special people coming to him you come to him you come in faith Turning away from sin, coming to him as a living stone, rejected by men. Don't reject him anymore. Choice and precious in the sight of God. Choice and precious in the sight of his people. He is precious to us. And then we become precious to him. Turn from sin and trust in the Savior. So that's the first blessing that we're going to consider tonight. God's special people. A people for God's own possession. Peculiarly, specially His. Brethren, that's you. God's special jewels, if you will. His treasure. But then the next blessing that we're going to consider, and it's really the last one in this whole series, in verse 9, He has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And basically what we have here is a contrast of the old and the new, the past and the present. So being lost and being saved, as we sing in that hymn, Amazing Grace, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind in darkness, but now I see. I see light. I see his marvelous light. And so thinking of these two, and words fail to describe the awfulness of the one, and the blessedness of the other. Darkness. Colossians 1.13, let me just quote a couple of verses here on this theme of darkness and light. He delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. That's where we used to live. In Pilgrim's Progress, it's called the City of Destruction. Here in Colossians one it's called the domain of darkness that's where we dwelt, dwelt the domain of darkness and then acts twenty six verses seventeen and eighteen paul uh, god's word to Paul his mission his commission as if you will, that Paul is here now recounting he says that uh, The Lord Jesus said to him, delivering you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God in order that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified, made holy by faith in me. Open their eyes. They're turning from Satan to God from darkness To light. You see the contrast? To be in darkness is to be in Satan's kingdom. To be in light is to be in God's kingdom. Satan, darkness. Now just think about it. Perhaps you can uh, think back to maybe walks you've had in the woods, and then all of a sudden the moon goes behind clouds. The sky is Occluded is totally blackened out by very thick clouds and you're in the woods and you're walking along and you can't see your hand in front of your face. How do I get out of here? Darkness. It's not something we generally like. I remember as a little boy in my cousin's house in Ardmore, Pennsylvania, and we were up on the third floor in the what would have been almost the attic and all of a sudden, there was a bolt of lightning and the power went out. And we're finally groping our way down the stairs. And I was about four or five years old at the time. I can still remember it very vividly because it was frightening. And I remember saying, There are lions and tigers and ghosts. And my cousin said, Nah, you'll be all right. Just come with me. <laughs> it's frightening. It's terrifying to be in darkness. But you know, there are a lot of people walking around thinking they see. That's what Jesus said to the Jews. Because you say you see, you really don't. You don't get it. No, no, I'm okay. No, you're not. And if you saw that you were blind, then Jesus said, then, then you've got hope. Because you come to the Savior. Otherwise, it's like Jesus said, the blind leading the blind. Oh, here, I'll help you, my cousin said. He couldn't see any better than I did. For at least we didn't fall into a ditch. It was his house. (laughs) But people in this world, oh yeah, you know, some guru comes along and says, oh, I've got this new light. Oh, here's a crystal. You can, you hold this crystal. There's power. Such nonsense. People... You can say almost any nonsense and people will have their jaws drop and say, wow, you talk about Christ and they don't want to hear it. Why? Because they're slaves of sin in darkness. Why such animosity? If it's not true, it is true. And people hate it. And so the world's in darkness. We were in darkness. I once was blind. But now I see. And that's come then to the positive side. He called you out of darkness. Out of that blindness where you didn't know which end was up. And you didn't know where you were going. And you didn't know what to do next. You think of you know people's marriages. Just another illustration of the darkness of this world. How many end up, even if, even if they don't end up in divorce, they end up in such cohabitation of misery. what they don't have the light they don't know what is the the way to have a happy marriage they go to seminars they <laughs> go to some shrink and and maybe patch things up a little bit we have the truth of god we have the god's prescription we have the light and so coming to the light is coming to the kingdom it's coming to god himself This is the message, John said in his first letter, 1 John 1, 5. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God himself is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. He called you out of darkness to his marvelous light. Think about that. How does he do that? He does that through the gospel. He does that through the message of Jesus. What did Jesus himself say? John 8, 12. Again, Jesus therefore spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in the darkness, but shall have the light of life. So you come to him, you believe in him, you follow him. His way is the way of light. Called out of darkness to light through Christ Jesus alone. John 12, 46, I have come as light into the world that everyone who believes in me may not remain in darkness. How do you get out of darkness? There it is. There's the prescription. Everyone who believes in me, Jesus said, may not remain in darkness. You want to be delivered from darkness? I mean, let's just pause, okay? I'm talking to thinking people. And, and I try to put myself in the shoes of somebody sitting there saying, oh, yeah, there it goes again. Well, all right, think about it. What is the world like? Do you think the world's a happy place? And I'm not just talking about war in Ukraine and war in Israel and Gaza Strip. All right, those are extreme cases. I'm talking about life in these United States. The misery that is all around us. It's darkness. And if you're honest with yourself and with what you see going on in our own society, it's darkness. Kids coming to school with guns, that didn't happen when I was a kid. Not that there was you know, wonderful back then, they were, they were, I remember getting beat up by bullies. The world's gone from bad to worse, why? Darkness. Throw God out, throw God's light out. What do you get? You get darkness, even deeper darkness. I have come as light into the world. Where's the light in Jesus Christ? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. Now I want you to turn to this one. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul says that we've renounced the things hidden. We're not walking in craftiness. We're not adulterating the word of God by manifest, manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God, and even if our gospel is veiled. All right, pause. You say, okay, well, if you're telling truth, why is it that there are so few people here in this room tonight? Why is it that if we had uh, the, the Jets play in whoever, in Giant Stadium, well, how would that happen? I don't know. But imagine... There would be thousands. And so if you're telling the truth, how come people aren't listening? Well, just right there. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. They're in darkness. They don't get it. That they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness. When did he say that? Genesis chapter 1, let there be light. Was there light? And there was light. Is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of God of christ so as we preach what's our hope that we are somehow by our skill gonna change people's minds and convince them and and convert them we have no such hope in ourselves but we trust that as christ is preached just like paul was doing here that god even as we heard this morning in sending his grace will cause light to shine in hearts. And all of a sudden, the scales fall away. And people see, yeah, my life's a mess. And it's because I messed it up. It's my sin. How can I be forgiven? It's only because there's a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And it's like it clicks. Called. You see, this is God's work. It's God who calls in that special work, out of darkness, into what? I love this word, his marvelous light. It doesn't just say called into light. Called into marvelous light, wonderful light, amazing light, beautiful light. This is what God has done we were all blinded by nature we were under satan's spell the god of this world had blinded our minds we didn't get it but then isn't it true just think about going back brothers and sisters when god flipped the switch and maybe you grew up in this church or in some church you heard about jesus for a long time but uh, here he goes again and then one day It's just started making sense. I remember the day. Maybe It wasn't the day. Maybe it was a gradual thing. We're not saying you have to name the day to be saved. But it's what God did. He called you. He called you. Come on. James, John, Sue, Sally. Get out of that darkness. Come over here to my light. And you said... Of course. And you came. Marvelous light. And so, friends here tonight, if you're wondering about all this stuff that I'm saying and maybe you're thinking, well, I don't know, just ask any of us who are Christians here tonight. Is, it, is that light really that marvelous? Now, I'm going to stick my nose out and say, if you ask any Christian... No matter what they're going through today, they'll say yes. They'll say yes. Now, of course, there are times when things are a little darker than others, even for Christians. But we think back to where we were, (laughs) the darkness that we used to know. We think of where we are now. You say uh-uh, i'm not going back there i'll stick with this light no turning back and then it goes on to explain and, and you could almost make a case going back to first peter chapter 2 that this next verse is some more blessings but i think it rather explains this coming out of darkness into light in some phrases that come out of hosea chapter 2 and verse 23 for you were once not a people you were once in darkness you were not a people but now you're the people of god now you're his precious treasure and possession in his light you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy think of this contrast again the the before and the after the uh, darkness and the light what were you i was nobody i was not a people you didn't have a shepherd you didn't have any master you didn't have any owner you didn't have any father you are a wandering sheep going your own way and it was a bad way but now you're God's people you belong to him you have a father in heaven who cares for you and loves you you're a special people once no mercy And it's a verb. You had once not been mercied. Okay? You had never experienced mercy. Now thankfully we do experience mercy at the hands of our fellow human beings from time to time. Uh, Not always by any means, but sometimes we do, but from God, no mercy. But now, (laughs) grace instead of grace. Where sin abounded, grace Mercy superabounds. Mercy again. The contrast. I once was blind. I once was lost. And now I've got mercy. Mercy, grace. grace, grace, amazing grace. And so this is what we have. It calls to mind, for me, the situation of the lost described in Ephesians two twelve. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now, but now by contrast, you are together with Christ. Now you're part of the commonwealth of Israel. Yeah, you're a true Jew if you are of the faith of Abraham. And you are not a stranger to the covenants of promise. You have those promises and the covenant. You have hope and you have God even here in this world. The contrast called out of darkness to his marvelous light. The point here that as we put all these things together that we've studied these past several weeks. What a blessing to be a Christian. Would you go back? Would you give up? What do you have in Christ Jesus? And again, dear friends, if you're not a Christian here tonight, I challenge you, ask any of us. Will you trade places with me? Would you trade places with uh, Elon Musk? Would you trade places with the richest man in the world? Hands down, no way. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You're richer than those people. What a blessing to be a Christian. Maybe you say, well, you know, sometimes, Pastor, to be honest with you, I feel like I'm in darkness still. Sometimes it doesn't feel all that bright. Uh, what can you say about that? Well, I can say Isaiah fifty ten. Who is among you that fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of his servant, that walks in darkness and has no light? Well, wait a minute. I thought you said that if you're a Christian now, you're in His marvelous light. Yeah, well, how come it says in Isaiah 50:10 that you're walking in darkness, even though you fear the Lord, you obey Him, but you're in darkness. Well, this is reality. We're in a sin-cursed world, and God in His providence sometimes allows us, tests us, tries us to see if we're going to still follow Him, even if we don't feel like it. Even if it doesn't feel good. And what is the prescription? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Keep walking. Keep trusting. And the light will come. It's a temporary thing. Keep trusting. Keep relying. Keep following. Spurgeon has an excellent sermon on this, which I read long ago as a young Christian. And it Greatly encouraged my own soul in such times that you do feel like you're walking in darkness. Well, what's the purpose as we wrap up this evening? What's the purpose of all of these blessings? Just so that we can sit back and say, oh, what a blessing to be a Christian. No, look back at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, his own jewels. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are called, we are given such a, a shower of blessings, such overwhelming mercies. We have tasted his kindness in all of these ways. For what purpose? That we would proclaim how great he is. Hallelujah! What a savior! He's called you, effectual calling, you were blind, now you see. You felt not your danger, you thought you were without a care in the world, but then you saw that you're on the edge of a cliff, ready to fall into the pit of hell. And you were delivered! And you have a new song in your heart. As one of our hymns puts it, Praise the grace whose threats alarmed you, roused you from your fatal ease. Praise the grace whose promise warmed you. Praise the grace that whispered peace. Now you want to praise His grace. You want to make Him known. You want to declare His glory, sing His praise, exalt His name. And you can't keep quiet. Let me just read a few verses, uh, mostly from the Old Testament, also the New, though. that just describe this desire to make Him known, to proclaim His excellency. In Psalm 30. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You brought me out of darkness into light. You have loosed my sackcloth and girded me with gladness. That my soul may sing praise to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. I cannot be silent. You try to stop this tongue. It's going to keep going. Because of the greatness of my God. Psalm 40, verse 9 and 10. I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips, O Lord, you know. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. In other words, the psalmist is saying, I've experienced your loving kindness and your truth. And you can't shut me up. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to tell what great things God has done for me. Isaiah 66. Near the end, in fact, the last few verses of Isaiah 66, verse 18 and 19. For I know their works and their thoughts. The time is coming to gather all nations and tongues. It's a good missionary passage. And they shall come and see my glory. And I will set a sign among them and send survivors from them to the nations. Tarshish, Put, Lud. Meshach, Rosh, Tubal, and Javan to the distant coastlands that have neither heard my fame nor seen my glory and they will declare my glory among the nations. These who have survived, these who have been delivered, these who have been redeemed, what are they going to do? They're going to spread the word through all the nations. It's not just the work of missionaries, by the way, because we can do it right here now. Jersey, we got the world coming to us declare his glory among the nations acts 4 verses 18 to 20 and when they had summoned them they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of jesus sir yes sir is that what peter and john said peter and john answered and said to them whether it's right in the sight of god to give heed to you rather than to god you be the judge for we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard we're going to declare his excellency, you can't stop us. And if you try to stop us, you can lock us up. We'll sing in the prison. And the prisoners will listen, and even the jailer will get it. The blind man in John 9. I love that guy. You know, he's one of those people that when you get the glory you want to meet Uh, This blind man from John chapter 9, they tried to shut him up and they called him and said, Give glory to God. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Then he answered, "Whether he's a sinner. I don't know. One thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. What are you going to do with that? And that garrison demoniac return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming through the whole city. What great things Jesus had done for him. What great things Jesus said. You couldn't shut him up. Proclaiming his excellency. That's one of the privileges and responsibilities of church membership that we saw in our adult Bible class. Personal evangelism. It is the duty of every member to pray and labor according to his God-given ability and opportunity for the extension of the kingdom of God. Here's the point. Brothers and sisters, we can declare his excellency. His His marvelous light that you're in, let it shine before men. That through your good works even, they might behold him and give glory to God. Declare his glory among the nations. Why do you have such privileges? Why are you a holy nation? Why are you a royal priesthood? Why are you a people for God's own possession? Why are you delivered from darkness to light? To make him known, to say, this is what I was, but look at what God did. Let the light shine. You know, don't, don't be a, a miserable, rotten, crummy worker or whatever and say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, well, good advertising. Let light shine. Let, it, let them see your good works and glorify God who's in heaven. Display His excellency to this wicked, sin-cursed, lost, dying, wretched, miserable sin-cursed world. So as we conclude, I have three questions. Do you see how privileged you are, brothers and sisters, to be Christians? You're not poor folks, you're not, you know, wretched, miserable, blind. That's what you used to be. And now you're the rich ones of the earth. Do you see, friends, how you need to be a Christian? And I I hope to some degree I was able to convince you that, yeah, you are blind. Yeah, you are in darkness. Yeah, you are miserable and wretched. There's only one way to get out of that. Let light shine in the darkness. You go to him, because in him is light. Then in me, Jesus said, he who believes in me might not walk in darkness. You come to him. Deliver me from the darkness. Open my eyes. Will he do it? Absolutely. He who comes to me, I'll never cast him out. And last question. Do you take the opportunities, brothers and sisters, members here at Trinity Baptist Church? We have opportunities. You rub shoulders with the world in your job, with your neighbors, with the clerk at the store. Do you take opportunities? Pray for opportunities. How can I display your light in this dark world? How can I proclaim your marvelous excellencies? Is it a blessing to know the Lord? Tell people about it. And I'm talking to myself too. Take the opportunities. Pray for opportunities. And may this church be filled, not because we preach so great, but because you, all the people of God, are such good advertisements for how wonderful our Savior is. He uses people. He uses you. May God bless our contacts with the world. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, when we consider what we were and what we are, when we consider that you called us out of darkness into your marvelous light, when we consider that you call us your special treasure, your jewels, we say, who am I that God would think of me that way? That God would call me. That God would send his son to pay for my sin. And yet these are the truths that your word tells us. And we do not doubt them. And we ask that you would tonight call even more out of darkness into your marvelous light. Do so by your word with the blessing of your Holy Spirit. Opening blind eyes. Taking away scales. And demonstrating your power, your mercy, your kindness to sinners, hell-deserving, ill-deserving, and yet objects of mercy. And so do this great work and use us, your people, as we go out into the world this week, as we go back to homes with children, parents, as we go back to workplaces, neighborhoods, May our light shine brightly. May your light shine through us, that they might see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. And so help us to be more bold. Help us to be more courageous. Help us to take advantage of the opportunities you provide us, that we would make you known and declare your glory among the nations. Hear us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.